Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, uh oh. Somebody say it like you mean it. Uh oh. That's oftentimes what we say when we mess up, isn't it, Alan? We make a mistake and we go, uh oh. We mess up. Have, has anybody in here ever made a mistake? Anybody messed up? All right, if you did not raise your hand, you just messed up because you just lied. So let's ask it again. If you've ever made a mistake and you've messed up, raise your hand. Come on now. There we go. Now we got some confessing going on up in here. That's good. Well, I have a confession to make to everyone this morning. Even your pastor makes mistakes. Oh, this was a bad one though. And I'm glad you guys didn't catch it. So I'm just going to come clean right now with everybody. Several months ago, at the first of the year, I received a thing in the mail that invited us as a group to go to see the Gwinnett Stripers play a baseball game. I know them as the Gwinnett Braves. Well, I, I, I said, well, this would be a great opportunity. We, we, we can see if anybody wants to go. So I went ahead and picked a date. It was Faith Weekend and put it on the calendar. And I thought I had done a good job putting it on there. But I learned something very important. There's a particular way you spell striper. Someone used two P's instead of one. And so on the Chicopee Baptist Church calendar for several months, nobody got to see this. My wife and Larry were the first two to bring it to my attention. It said, church outing Gwinnett strippers. <laughs> Contact the church office if you'd like to go. <laughs> it gets better. Fireworks to follow. <laughs> oh, I messed up and made a mistake. And see, the majority of you people in this room did not even know I did that. And now you know, the internet knows, everybody's going to know for years that I made that mistake. But I admit it was a mistake and I will never misspell stripers again. I guarantee you that. But mistakes come, don't they? What do we do when we make a mistake? Unfortunately, sometimes we get stuck in a failure that we've made. We get stuck and we get caught up because we've blown it. We've made a huge mistake. Maybe we tried to do something better. We tried to get better. And instead, we went backwards and we messed up again. But what do we do when we make a mistake? We all wish we had one of those undo buttons like on a computer. Isn't it beautiful? When you make a mistake on a computer, you can hit Control-Z on a Windows computer or go up to the little thing that says undo, and you can undo the mistake. You accidentally deleted something. You accidentally did something you weren't supposed to, and you just hit the undo button, and it goes back to the way it was before you made the mistake. Wouldn't it be great, Dr. Jackson, if we had that for our marriages? Oh, praise God, my wife would just be so much more in love with me. Because I could go back and undo all those dumb things that I said. By the way, husbands, a recipe that I think I'm going to put in Jacob's box is this. Recipe for a happy husband. You got this? Check this out. Two words. Yes, dear. Use them every day. Yes, dear. 
that really helps in making a happy marriage and makes a husband happy because it makes everything go smoother. But I have made my mistakes. I have messed up. Many of us have, and we wish we had an undo button that we could simply push. So as long as there is humanity on this old earth, there are going to be people who make mistakes. Chuck Swindoll said, if you can't tolerate those who make mistakes, I'd suggest you stop making them yourself. <laughs> That's a great little quote because that means that you can't really, you shouldn't be able to tolerate yourself. Thankfully, God has given us some great clarity. Today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And what is going on in the context of what we're about to read is the children of Israel have said, we want to be like everybody else. We want to be like the other nations. We want a king like all the other nations have because uh, it looks like it's a good thing. So they begin to ask for a king. And Samuel said, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't do that. That's not going to be good for you. And they said, well, we don't care. We want a king. And so they, uh, God decides, he says, okay, let them have what they want. And so Samuel tells them that God has said that you can have a king. I will anoint a king over you. And as long as you follow after the Lord, good will happen. And if you, if you turn away from the Lord, even though you have a king, then bad things will happen. And so what it comes down to is, is Samuel finally says, look, God told you not to have a king, but you insisted and he finally said yes. And because of that, it's harvest season for your wheat. And I'm going to pray that there's a great storm that comes up. And what would happen is in a storm with great wind, it would knock all the wheat over and it would mess it up. And so Samuel prays and then they, and a storm comes and there is this great fear of the Lord and of Samuel at that point. Well, beginning in verse 19, I, I want us to pick up there because uh, the people have refused to listen to the Lord and to Samuel about not having a king, but God has granted them a king. And let's begin looking here in chapter 12 of 1 Samuel. I'm going to read, begin in verse 19. I know if you're following along with the YouVersion app, it begins in verse 20. So just give me some patience. I'm going to read verse 19 and then get to verse 20. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to, to the Lord your God so that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Verse 20, Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which cannot Profit or deliver because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name. Because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. When it comes to mistakes, we often need to dish out a great deal of tolerance. But when it comes to mistakes, we can't let them go ignored and left alone. Here's another funny story about mistakes that people can make. There was a volleyball coach that was being featured in a newspaper one time. And the article went on and on uh, to tell about her background, her su superb ability, 
her win and loss record, and the style of her coaching. And then the next day, tucked away in the newspaper in a place not so obvious was an apology by the newspaper where they were saying, we made a mistake in the article about the volleyball coach because it's not a woman, it's actually a man. That was a bad mistake. But even with the mistakes that we make, and we may see and we may read, some of them we, we don't see as too bad. But others can mess us up. Mistakes that we make sometimes will take us to a place where we feel so guilty and we carry so much shame. I was recently talking to a really good friend of mine about this idea of guilt and when it comes to mistakes. And I want you, someone needs to write this down. There's two kinds of guilt. There's, there's um, valid guilt and invalid guilt. Other words, guilt that, yes, you should feel guilty because you've done something. Invalid guilt is when you feel guilty about something you had nothing to do with, but yet you feel guilty about. Because what happens sometimes is because of those two guilts, they get meshed together and we deal with invalid guilt the same way we will deal with regular guilt. And we carry it around and we carry it around and we carry it around when we had nothing to do with what, what happened there. None of you should feel guilty for the church calendar having strippers on the church calendar. You had nothing to do with that. I did. But the idea here is, is sometimes things will happen in our life that we carry around guilt that we should not because it was not our fault. So we have to deal with it a little differently than we do actual, real, legitimate guilt. So I want us to talk about legitimate guilt a little bit today, but begin with talking about the truth about messing up. Really, to find a man or a woman who has reached the state of no mistakes is to find a man or woman whose life is no more. The only people who are no longer making mistakes are dead. Those of us who are alive will make mistakes. So let's talk a little bit about when we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we sin, some truth about that. The very first one is this. I know it seems simple, but it's really true, and we can see it here in the Scripture. We have a choice. The devil don't make you do it. Somebody just needs to hear that today. The devil don't make you do it. It's not the devil that causes you to sin. Now, there may be temptation. There may be things that come along in your life. There may be things that's happened in the past. You may be more prone to one thing over another. But the bottom line is, you have a choice. The devil don't make you do it. Your mama don't make you do it. Your spouse don't make you do it. Your kids don't make you do it. You don't yell and get angry because of them. It is a choice that we make. So there is a choice. Look, look at the scriptures here in verse 20. I want us to look at the wording of Samuel. Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. What is that? That is a choice. He is saying there is a choice for you to make. Do not turn aside from following the Lord. You need to make the right choice. Verse 21, you must not turn aside. He is saying you've got a choice. Make the choice right. Verse 25, but if you still do wickedly, see that if there, but if you still do wickedly, if you still choose to do sin and live wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. In other words, we have to understand first and foremost, we are the ones that make the choice to mess up. 
Sometimes it's accidental, like accidentally misspelling a word, accidentally saying something that, that came out the wrong way. But oftentimes, we can control the choice, and we have to be aware of that. Second thing is this. It is never, somebody say never. never. Somebody say never, ever. Never, never. Somebody say never, ever, never. never, ever. It is never too late to make the right choice. It is never too late to make the right choice. Even though we make a mistake and we mess up, it doesn't mean that we, well, it's too, too far, it's too much now. It is never too, ma- too late to make the right choice. And we can see this here in the Scriptures again. Verse 20, Samuel is giving them this clear directive that you've messed up by wanting a king. Now you've got your king. Your wheat crop has been destroyed. But it's not too late. You can make the right choice. Verse 20, Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have committed all this evil. You've messed up, you've done wrong, you've committed sin. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. See, Samuel is making it very clear in the Scripture that they have a choice, and it's not too late for them to make the right choice. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's going on last night or this week. But I have a suspicion that there's probably some of you listening to me today who actually struggle with sin in your life. You're struggling with something that is continually coming up. It may have to do with something in your past. It might be guilt that you continue to feel over something that, that, that keeps causing problems in your life. It could just be a sin that you have going on that you can't seem to get rid of. Can I give you some, some, some hope today and some help? It's never too late to make the right choice. Just because you messed up yesterday or even this morning doesn't mean that you can't make the right choice today. You can do that. So when we do mess up and we do make these mistakes, what do we need to do? Now what is the question? Now what do we do when we mess up? Let me tell you what Satan wants. Satan wants you to feel trapped. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel like you are afraid. You're fear-filled. He wants you feeling rejected by God and other people. That's what Satan wants. What God wants is he wants you to feel his love and his grace and the the growth of his spirit inside of you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So as we face this idea of messing up, there's one key thing I don't want you to miss. And that is this. When I mess up, I shouldn't give up. When you mess up, don't give up. Sometimes we get so caught up with sin, we just go, well, what's the use? I keep messing up. I keep making a mistake. Have you ever been in a relationship where it feels like every word you say, everything you do just seems to be the wrong thing? Have you ever been there? I've been there where you just feel like I can't do anything right. Well, let me tell you something. Don't give up. When you mess up, don't give up. It's never too late to do the right thing. Scripture is clear here that the focus on this is God Himself in a relationship with him and that's where we have to put our hope and our faith is what he's talking about let's look at verse 22 for the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name listen God is not going to abandon his people on account of his great name why is that 
It's because of His love and His grace. His love and His grace transcends your worst day. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how guilty you feel, God's love is greater than all of that. God's love is not measured on whether you've done good or whether you've done wrong. His love is still equal either, either way. God's love and grace is greater than your worst mistake. God's grace and grace is greater than your absence from church and reading scripture and praying. You may feel guilty over that, but let me assure you that God's grace can, can see you beyond that. And you know what? It's never too late to make the right choice. And begin today brand new. Begin brand new to say, God, I need your help to do the right thing. As we look at this situation, Samuel brings in something very interesting. He says, For the Lord will not abandon His people. Those who call themselves Christians means Christ follower. Christ-like is what Christian means. We are His people. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and ask Him to be our, our, our forever friend, we ask Him to forgive us and take over our life, we become a child of God. And because of that, we are His people. And it says He will never abandon us. But notice what's interesting. On account of His what? <coughs> On account of His great name. His great name. See, it's not about you making your name great that God will not abandon you. God will not abandon you for you to look good. He does not abandon you so that He will look good. So that His name will be lifted up. Even in your worst of times. Even in your worst of days. God is not going to abandon you. He is always there. Even if you don't feel like He's nearby and He's close. God is there with you. And it's for His great name. Think about His name for a second. His name is Yahweh. Meaning the self-revealing one. See, the Lord is pleased to make His name great through us. And what greater way to do that than to take an old, wretched, messed up sinner, someone who's made mistakes, and turn their life around. Or helping someone overcome things in their life. That makes God's name great. Because there are a lot of psychologists out there, and, and I really think that a lot of them may have good intentions, but they are not bringing healing to people if they leave the Lord Jesus Christ out of the, the situation. Because without Jesus, you cannot find the healing you need. That's why I'm a strong believer in Christian counseling. Because this Bible must be the directive. And without the Holy Spirit, how can healing truly come? Yes, some counselors may help. But it's only through His great name and Him being at the forefront that can truly bring that deliverance. It is His great name that He does that. So don't think that you're all, all wonderful and God's going to do a great thing just so you to, for you to look good. He doesn't do that. He doesn't bless you for you to keep it to yourself. He blesses you so that others will know how God's blessed you and that you can bless others with it. God is a God who wants, wants to move you beyond where you are. See, these people had made a great error. They had suffered the consequences for it, but they had a choice to make. Here's what I love. I love that Romans 8, 8, 1. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. How much condemnation? 
Zero. Others may condemn you. You may have to deal with consequences, but no one can condemn you once Christ has forgiven you. The only person who can condemn you is you allowing that to happen in your life. You can be the only one to bring that condemnation because you choose to let that in. Because Christ has said there's no condemnation in those who are in Christ. Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. When we become His people, He becomes our Father. You cannot mess up too much to not be loved by God Himself. You cannot sin too much where His grace can still reach. He can still reach you no matter how much you sin. Max Licato said, sin is not an unfortunate slip or regrettable act. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you hear this. Sin is not an unfortunate slip or regrettable act. It is a posture of defiance against a holy God. That is what sin is. But pastor, I accidentally did this or I slipped into this. No, it is an absolute choice for you to begin to say, No, God, I like the pleasure of sin more than I, I like your presence in you. Let's just break it down to the black and white. Because when we begin to choose sin over God, we are disregarding Him. That's why the pursuit of holiness is so important. Someone who made a mistake in Scripture who experienced grace and forgiveness. Can you imagine being the one who said, Jesus, I will die for you. I will be killed for you. And then when it came time for the nitty-gritty, he turned and ran. He ran away. He, first, he just turned his back on Jesus. And then he watched from a distance. And then someone said, Oh, you're one of those followers of Jesus, aren't you? Nope, not me. Nope, you got the wrong person. Denied him. Not once, but three times. And not just with nice words, but the Bible even says that he cursed. I mean, he even took it to a new level. Let me just prove to you I'm not a disciple of Jesus. And just really came out with, with bad language. And then at that moment, he remembered what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. In other words, Peter, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess up. You're going to sin. You know, and God could have just written him off, said, you know what? He did it. Forget Peter. I need somebody who's committed, who's another level of Christian. But that's not what God did. The very man that preached the first sermon after the resurrection of Christ and his ascension, that had 3,000 people come to faith in Christ, was Peter. Peter made a mistake. He messed up big time. But God's grace and forgiveness was greater than all that. And God used Peter. God wants to use you. No matter how big the mistake has been, God wants to use you. So what do we do? What do you, we do? I like this. Please understand that God's fingerprint on your life is much bigger than the struggles and the sins and the mistakes in your life. God's fingerprint is much bigger than all that stuff that's going on. Because God is doing something. The very first thing I think we can find in verse 24. Verse 24 says, Only fear the Lord 
only fear the Lord. I have a note in my Bible. There's a little number by the word fear that I really like, and it's the word reverence. It's this idea of, of placing, placing God in the right place. It's a feeling or attitude of deep respect tinged with awe. That's where God needs to be. We don't need to be running away from God, but running to God. Understand who He is. That's the essence of the fear God. It's not seeing Him as a tyrant in heaven, but a loving Father with love and grace. Someone that we are to reverence and lift up. So we are to reverence Him. See, reverence cannot be given only one hour a week. Oh, the pastor's done gone to meddling again. Yeah, I am, Lisa. I'm meddling again. Reverence cannot be given to God just one hour a week on Sunday morning. Reverence to God must be given 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Pastor, can I do that while I sleep? Absolutely you can because what you do before you go to bed and when you wake up will determine what you've done when you've been sleeping. Are you reverencing God at all times? That is the first thing we must do. When we make a mistake, we need to turn ourselves to God and reverence Him and lift Him up. Reverence changes us and it will affect those around us. Second thing is this, I need to serve Him in truth. Look at verse 24. Samuel says this, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Serve Him with truth with all of your heart. So we need to serve Him in truth. Reverence and serving go hand in hand. Whenever we serve and we serve God, and we are reverencing Him at the same time. His name is going to become great. Whatever we do in word or do, do it in the name of Christ, it says in the New Testament. So when we've made a mistake, we have to turn to Him and reverence Him and serve Him. And whatever He says, and just, just go after Him. And we're to do it with all of our heart, not a part of our heart, not a portion of our heart. One gentleman named Ruskin said this, God will put up with many things in the human heart, but there is one thing He will not put up with in the human heart. Here's what it is. Second place. He who offers God a second place offers Him no place. God must be first place in our heart as we serve others, as we serve Him, He must be first place. Third thing is this, I need to be thankful for the great things He has done for me. Look at verse 24 with me. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all of your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. We often forget the good things that the, the Lord has done. We often, in the times that we are feeling guilty and we've messed up and we feel terrible about what we have done, we have sinned, we feel so bad, we only can see God as a God who is going to rain down wrath upon us. That's why it's so important for Samuel to say, consider the great things God has done. This is not the end. You haven't got to a place where you can't go no farther. God Himself is still involved in your life. His fingerprint is still on you. And if, if, we, if we reverence Him, serve Him in truth, and we are thankful, that act of being thankful, not just an attitude of gratitude, but an act of thankfulness, and we're thankful for the great things He has done for us,
that it will make a difference. It will help us when we've made big mistakes. Not only do we make mistakes, we often forget about the God who forgives all mistakes. The hard thing is, and to be a great sermon to preach sometimes, is how do we forgive ourselves? Because oftentimes it's much easier for us to say God has forgiven me, but much harder for us to say I have forgiven myself for making such a mistake. But I think the truth in this scripture is this today. Samuel is saying, when you mess up, don't give up. When you've made a mistake, don't quit. But you need to pick yourself up and keep going and say, God, focus on Him. Allow Him to work in your life. Put Him first. Serve Him. Be thankful for the things He's done and move on. And let God help you deal with that guilt that's in your heart. We often talk about a seven-day challenge. So for the next seven days, here's something for you to do. Find 14 things over the next seven days that you can thank God for that He's done in your life. Write down 14 things over the next seven days. That means it's two things a day. Two things a day. Just find something that God has done for you, a great thing He's done for you, and write it down. And with this caveat, you cannot repeat the same thing every day. So if you choose, I thank God for giving me a great wife. You can't put that down seven times. Put it down once. It doesn't mean that you're not thankful every day. God knows all of us men who, are, who married way over our head like I did are thankful for our wives every day. But I want you intentionally to look for something. Two different things every day for the next seven days. Fourteen things that God does that's great for you. In this crossroad moment, you can either let shame keep you stuck and let the devil hold you back. Or you can begin to take a step forward and say, God, you're in control. God, you have the reins. God, you're the one I want to pursue. The children of Israel had a choice at this moment. Samuel was saying, if you follow the Lord, there will be blessings. And if you don't, he is going to discipline you. Because see, that is a sign of love. We talked about that in our, my Sunday school class this morning, our Sunday school class. We talked about love is not the absence of bad things. Because sometimes you have to let consequences come, things have to come, because that's the essence of love. If God just let people do whatever they wanted to do, if God just left, let you do whatever you wanted to do and live however you wanted to live, would that really be love from God? Because you'd begin to just spiral down and stay away from Him and stay away from the great blessings He has for you. And you'd be living your own life, absence from God. But if God really loves you, He's going to do what's necessary to bring you back so that you can experience that greatness that He actually has for you that you're missing and you can't even see. That is the great love God offers for us even when we mess up. Pray with me. Father, we thank You for this day. I thank you, Lord, that your word declares. And Father, as we sang today, your promises are yes and amen. And this is a promise from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, you have promised that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and you are righteous and you will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us from all the unrighteousness and all the sin in our life. Lord, that is a promise, and I declare yes and amen for that right now. Lord, but there are those in this room 
who are listening to me today who struggle with this idea that they are forgiven. They feel that their sin, that their mistake is too big and too much. God, when Jesus died on the cross, He died for every sin. He died for all of our mistakes. God, I pray today that someone will walk away no longer being condemned. Because they're proclaiming your promise in Romans 8.1 that there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Father, today needs to be a turnaround day for someone. That they don't give up. That they keep going forward pursuing you even though they've made a mistake. Lord, and for those who do not know you, for those who have not surrendered their life to you, for those who have not said, Jesus, forgive me and take over my life. God, they don't comprehend the incredible gift of forgiveness and grace yet. So right now, Father, whoever it is that's listening, that is here, if they have not surrendered their life to you, may they do that right now simply by just asking you to forgive them and for you to take over their life. Lord, today can be a changing moment. Today can be a day of deliverance. Because when we mess up, we often say, now what? I guess I should just give up. It's just I've gone too far. But Father, thank you that your word declares we never go too far. That simply the right choice of turning our life over to you won't change at all. Lord, thank you for the testimonies that's being developed in this church right now by those who, who were going in the wrong direction, but now they've turned their life to you and they're pursuing you each and every day and every week in this place. And Lord, there is a testimony being developed right now of your faithfulness of their life being transformed and changed. Lord, let it be someone else again today. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.